Welcome to the Be Blessed and Inspired podcast. I'm Tracy Hill, and I'll be your host as we dive into scripture and find inspiration for our daily lives. This is a space filled with the love, hope, peace, and joy of Jesus. The faith-filled messages are based on the Word of God. Each episode intends to grow our faith, encourage our hearts, and draw us closer to the Lord. We will be reminded of who our God is and who He says we are in Christ. Our whole perspective changes when we know His trustworthy character, and our confidence grows when we embrace our identity as His beloved children. So daughters of the King, let's begin. Welcome to the study of Colossians. This message is titled, Hope in Christ. You're welcome to listen in, even if you're not following along in the study, because there's great encouragement for everyone. And if you are following along in the workbook, I really hope you enjoyed your homework in lesson one, and hopefully it didn't feel like work, but was an enormous blessing instead. I'd like to take a few minutes just to share a short message based on our hope in Christ. Our lesson covers Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and gives us an introduction to Paul's beautiful letter of encouragement. He may have written it to the church of Colossae, but there is incredible wisdom for us too. Paul's letter was motivated by a sincere love and concern for the children of God to stay the course and not wander from their faith. Paul opened his letter by declaring his authorship, and I'm sure it grabbed the reader's attention. Receiving a letter from the Apostle Paul was a letter they would surely want to read. And look at us now, we are still savoring his words. Paul didn't start off as a fan of Christianity, and he even vehemently opposed it. But then God stepped in and miraculously changed him. Saul, as he was formerly known, was a rigidly religious man, extremely devoted to the law of God. He intellectually knew all about the Lord, but didn't know him on a heart-to-heart level. But then, in Acts chapter 9, we read about the encounter that transformed his life and gave him a new name, Paul, and it also instilled a brand new passion. So instead of aggressively defending the law, he began to graciously proclaim the faith. So I'd like to read the passage aloud from Acts 9 and then discuss its significance for us. So hang in there with me. It's 19 verses, but it really highlights the radical change in Paul's life. So Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19, and I'm going to read the NLT version because it just reads so nicely. Um, It starts off, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any of the followers of the way he found there. And the way is what the church was called back at the beginning. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So this was Paul... Well, when he was Saul, this describes him. He was eager eager to kill the Lord's followers. He wanted to arrest anyone who was a Christian following Jesus. He wanted to bring them back to Jerusalem in chains. So this was Saul before he met the Lord. 
And then the scripture goes on with chapter three or verse three. Sorry about that. He says, as he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And here Saul is using a lowercase l. He does. He's not referring to the voice as actual Lord. Um, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there, remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. And he is acknowledging that this is his true Lord. And he, this is a capital L. He replied, the Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And boy, did Paul suffer for the sake of Jesus. He gave his life. He totally dedicated it to serving the Lord. Um, so the scripture continues in verse 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him, him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. So talk about a transformation. Saul's purpose had been to stomp out Christianity, and now Jesus became his singular focus. Traveling the world and sharing the gospel became his number one purpose. It was the motivation for everything he did. And as we saw, there was no hesitation in his obedience to Christ. There was complete sur surrender from the moment he met the Lord. The original Greek meaning of the word repentance is a change of mind, a change in the inner man. And we read that as soon as the scales fell from Saul's eyes, he got up and was baptized. He immediately had a change of mind and was radically transformed from the inside out. Paul is a perfect example of repentance for us to follow. He didn't lose his zealous personality. It was just molded and shaped 
refined, and redirected by the Holy Spirit within him. And through his relationship with Jesus, he came to know the joy of the Lord, experience the peace that passes understanding, grab hold of the hope of our inheritance in heaven, and walk by faith and not by sight. He no longer lived in fear of falling short of God's holy standard. He walked in the freedom and righteousness that Christ had achieved for him. And in Paul's letter to the Colossians, we see that Paul prayed these things for us also. He wants us to live in light of all that Christ has done for us. And by knowing who Jesus is and who we are in Christ, we can do just that. Paul's heart and mind were set on things above, and he encourages us to do the same. And just like the people of Colossae, we too are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Like the Colossians, we live on this earth surrounded by worldly things, inundated with worldly teachings, tempted by worldly desires, distractions, and passions. And despite all of this, we know and trust that our grace and peace flow from our Heavenly Father above. God is the source of every good thing that our lives could need or our hearts could desire. And Philippians 4, 7 tells us, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that God gives us surpasses any other peace we could possibly find. His peace is lasting. It overcomes any and every situation we face in this life. Far too often we think that peace is only possible when everything's going smoothly, with no bumps in the road. And in reality, peace is a mindset that carries us through even the hardest and most difficult of times. Peace is a settled feeling within our souls that everything will be okay, not because we have it all figured out, but because we know that God is with us and He is in complete control. We have peace whenever we set our hope in Jesus Christ. Through his sacrifice, we find salvation. Our sins are forgiven, and we have been washed clean. We have a place in his eternal kingdom, and we are safe in the Father's hands. His grace gives us the greatest peace we can imagine. His grace wraps us safely and securely in the arms of our Lord. And that is true and everlasting peace. So these are the truths that Paul encourages us to meditate on. Paul is not the only one who encourages us to mindfully direct our thoughts onto the Lord. From Genesis to Revelation, we are encouraged to purposefully set our heart on the Word of God. Far too often, our thoughts lead us down rabbit trails where we get lost in the dark and lonely places, and we often find ourselves at dead ends. The Psalms remind us to delight ourselves in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. And in doing so, we will not wither, but instead yield beautiful fruit and prosper in everything. I found this to be true in my own life. The more time I spend in the Bible, the more encouraged, strengthened, and hope-filled I am. On the other hand, if I go too long without reading the scriptures, I begin to feel dry and weary and easily distracted. How about you? Do you notice this difference in your own life? Well, the Psalms encourage us to meditate on God's unfailing love and on his mighty deeds. 
The more time we invest into reading our Bibles, the more acquainted we are with God's love and His power. This is a source of immense peace for me, and I can't wait to dig into this more with you throughout our study together. And setting our hearts and minds on things above is all about our relationship with Christ. Making Bible study a priority in our lives gives us an opportunity to learn more about Jesus, gain instruction for our lives, gather encouragement for our hearts, and clarity for our minds. It is an invaluable chance to hear from the Lord. And prayer is just as essential to our mental and spiritual well-being. God invites us to communicate with Him on an intimate level. He asks us to snuggle close and lay down our burdens. Prayer is where our heart and God unite. It's when we step into His holy presence and encounter His great delight. And it's really quite sad and unfortunate that we often neglect this invitation. The Lord is available to talk with us morning and evening, and even during the blackest hours of the night when we lay tossing and turning. Even then, He is awake and ready to listen. So putting our words into wor- our words to our worries brings them out in the open where the Lord can help us deal with them. We don't have to nag- navigate this world on our own. The Lord offers to share his knowledge and wisdom. As we bring our concerns to Jesus, let's do so knowing that he has all the answers. Ask him to show us the best way forward and to help us trust him wholeheartedly in everything. Worry never brings glory to God because it shows a lack of faith and places the focus on ourselves. A knowledge of God's will and the wisdom and understanding on how to live it out does equip us to live a life worthy of the Lord and help us to please Him in every way, as Paul says. So let's take advantage of the Lord's precious invitation by stepping out of our busyness to sit and converse with Him a lot more often. So besides Bible study and prayer, giving joyful thanks to the Lord is the most transformative practice we can add to our daily routine. I encourage you to begin your day with joyful praise and close your night with joyful thanks. Incorporate moments of spontaneous thanks throughout your day, before a meal, on a walk around the block, while cleaning the house, or driving along in your car with your worship music playing. Being a child of God means we always have something to give joyful thanks for. And in our study, we looked at some additional words from Paul from Ephesians chapter 1. The verses from Ephesians remind us that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. We've been adopted, redeemed, and forgiven in Christ. We've been called to a hope and a glorious inheritance in heaven. God's incomparable great power is at work for us who believe. Recounting these benefits can't help but lift our spirits and encourage our hearts. God is faithful to his word, and this is where our hope lies. Let's set about demolishing lies with the truth we find in God's word. According to Psalm 103, God forgives all our sins. He heals our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit, crowns us with love and compassion, and satisfies us with good things. Throughout this study, we will continue taking our thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. 
Our goal is to make this our instant reaction and first response when our thoughts start to wander and go awry. We will continually reel our thoughts back in and redirect them onto God's beautiful promises. Remember that your hope is in Christ, and that hope cannot be taken away. Fix your mind on that truth until it becomes solidly rooted in your heart. I look forward to meeting you back here soon to discuss Lesson 2, which is titled, Christ is Supreme. God bless and keep hoping in Christ. Be sure to follow for news of upcoming podcasts and share these messages with your friends. For more inspiration, check out my website at BeBlessedAndInspired.com. You'll find video teachings, blog devotions, and get a peek at my books and Bible studies, which take you deeper into the Word of God. So take care and be blessed. I'll meet you back here soon for more inspiration.